Well, I want to say good morning to you, although uh, for some of you, it might be afternoon, it might be evening, who knows when you're uh, watching this. Uh, This is one of the interesting aspects of our uh, being scattered together. And uh, yet it's just a delight for me to be able to share from God's word with you. My name is Kent Anderson. If you don't know me, I'm one of the members here at Dunbar Heights and just uh, really grateful for the opportunity to share with you uh, as we work through these letters to the seven churches here in the book of Revelation. And uh, I'm working with you today from chapter 2, verse 8. This is the letter to the church in Smyrna. Remember as a boy... Uh, taking particular notice of this uh, church and this uh, letter because my mother's name is Myrna. And so Smyrna always sounded uh, funny to me and memorable at least. But anyway, this is a very serious text with uh, very, a very serious challenge to us and we will want to read it in that spirit as we, uh, as we look together at this, and even though we, we have, are coming together from a lot of different places with a lot of different uh, circumstances and, and issues in mind, our confidence, as always, is that God is speaking by his Holy Spirit through his word and through his servant, in this case, me. Uh, so our task together here today is to listen, uh, to, to hear what God would say. So, so don't hear this as coming from me so much. I mean, my personality will sure, certainly be a part of what you hear today, but uh, this is coming from our Lord because it's coming from his word through the power of his spirit. So let's read and listen with that in mind. And that will lead us to a response. So Revelation, the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verse 8 the second in uh, these letters to the seven churches. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Sobering, challenging words. Lord, may you speak your word to us, your people, in such a way that we will hear and respond uh, in keeping with your kingdom, in keeping with your will, in ways that uh, strengthen and empower us against the challenges of our day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's never been particularly easy to be a Christian in a world like this. I mean, depending on where you live and uh, what period of history, uh, these challenges could could vary, but it's never really been easy. You might recall what Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 
that uh, evil men and seducers will grow worse and worse, but, uh, but those who are in Christ will, will always suffer persecution. It's kind of part of the deal, and that is the essence of what uh, this letter is suggesting to the people of Smyrna, but also to us here today. I remember when I was a boy, probably nine or ten years old, reading a little pamphlet. It's probably intended as a, a tract, if you understand what I mean by that. Uh, anyway, I, I, a pamphlet that was telling the story of a young African boy named Bobby. And perhaps I, uh, or, or was it Billy? I can't remember. It was Billy, it was Bobby. He's a young boy about my age. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, he was from the Congo. And uh, it was a striking story, uh, a story of a village that was largely Christian in their commitment. And uh, at one point, soldiers came and uh, took these Christians captive and uh, put many of them to death. And this story in particular described Billy, this young boy, who was asked to recant his faith at the point of a gun. Billy stood up to that challenge and uh, claimed faith in Jesus Christ and was murdered as a result, was, we would say, martyred for his faith. I was, was pretty challenged by that as a, as a young boy. I'm, I'm still challenged by a story like that today. I remember asking myself back then, if I was faced with that kind of a circumstance, what would I do? I mean, in my nine or ten years of life, I'd never, nobody, I'd, I'd barely even seen a gun in my life, much less have one put to my head, much less been asked at point of gun to proclaim my faith. I'm not sure what I would have done in that circumstance. I, I'm still not sure today. I mean, I'd like to think when pressed with that kind of situation that I could rise to the challenge. But then I look at, at how I operate in normal day-to-day -day fashion and some of the, uh, the weakness I show when the stakes are much, much lower. You probably know what I'm talking about. You know, perhaps in a moment like that, uh, the adrenaline surges and, and the spirit uh, encourages and, and we could stand with Billy. I, I don't know, to be honest. I read recently a study from the uh, Center for, uh, what is it, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity. It says that uh, 2.4 million Christians have been martyred, have been put to death for their faith since the turn of the millennium. Now, a lot of that's happening in less developed countries. Uh, a lot of that is happening at great distance to uh, where we are here today. I, I, I don't think this is the kind of thing that happens here in Vancouver or happens in, in Canada. We're not faced with that kind of challenge here. But it's quite possible that some of you have been from places where that has been more of a present reality. Or some of you who've lived a little longer than me uh, may have experiences in your past where you have been through this kind of challenge or at least seen it 
close or not too far away. I'm not going to tell you that I've never had to suffer opposition for my faith, that I've never been asked to pay a price. I think I have. Certainly, I've paid a price in terms of social embarrassment from time to time. I I think I've probably uh, had to pay a financial price from time to time. Uh, I can think of times when I've made a decision that has cost me money that related to my values at least, but in other cases, my, my Christian commitment. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. My faith has not been free in the sense that I've had to pay a price at times. But I've always understood that this is part of the deal. And that's the message to the church here in Smyrna. If we're going to be in Christ, if we're going to follow the example of Jesus Christ, if we're going to live faithfully to Jesus, we should not be surprised to have to suffer some of the same kinds of things that he did. We're going to experience pain. We're going to experience suffering. But the kingdom gains by our current pains. And that's the message that I want to share with you today. The kingdom gains by our current pains. This uh, situation in Smyrna uh, was not too much different than the situation we have today. Uh, the, the Smyrna church was uh, in, a, in a city there uh, where, where there was a, a Roman government and uh, they were under some pressure from the uh, Jewish synagogues and that sort of thing. Christianity was by no means uh, a majority kind of faith. It was very much a minority situation, and so they were under, uh, if not the authority, certainly the oversight of, of others that didn't share their, their faith position, and this was challenging and, and difficult. Uh, the message here, the letter, as is the case with all of the seven letters, is essentially coming from Jesus himself. And this is um, clearly declared with some of the language in verse 8. This is expressed to the angel, or the sort of, you might say, the representative uh, nature of the church, the Christian church in Smyrna. These are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. This is a message coming with the authority of the Son of God, with the authority of Jesus himself. Later on, verse 11, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So, so this is it's God in the person of Jesus Christ, God in the person of the Holy Spirit, speaking authoritatively to uh, the people of Christ here in this um, gathered church. And there's a number of things that are being expressed here. And the first one is, is a kind of expression of solidarity. Jesus says, I know. I know your tribulations. I know your poverty. I know what you've had to deal with here, the slander of those who say they are Jews and who are not, but are in fact serving the evil one. That synagogue of Satan. I know. Jesus says. I know because I've been there. I know what it's like to experience slander. In fact, this, this uh, text is described 
very much as the work of the devil. Uh, Verse 10, behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison. It's a very direct language, synagogue of Satan, the devil. These are are strong words. The, The word devil, the Greek word diabolos, literally means slanderer one who would would speak of you in ways that are definitively untrue and, and, and nevertheless damaging. I know your tribulation. I know your poverty, at least as it appears in front of others. The fact is, Jesus says, you're rich. You're very rich when you consider things from an ultimate perspective. But, but that is not how you're being perceived in the community. That is not what people are saying of you. This is not, the, the truth about you is not what's being expressed. In fact, you're being slandered. Uh, I understand, Jesus says, because that's how they treated me. As I read this passage, I was reminded of, of uh, uh, the text in 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that you might follow in his steps. So the example of Jesus was that we would follow in his steps. And what does that mean? It means we're going to suffer. Verse 22, Jesus committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. I love that. (laughs) Jesus did not receive what he deserved. He was slandered. He was mistreated. His suffering was not just. And yet, instead of throwing that back in their faces, instead of returning back the same as he had received. Instead, it says, he entrusted these things to his Father in heaven, to the one who judges justly, because Jesus understood that judgment will happen, justice will be served eventually in eternity, and and he could be patient and wait for that. Jesus says, I know what you've been through. I know that you've been slandered. I was slandered too. The second thing he says, verse 10, don't fear. Don't fear. I know. I've been there. It's not fair. It's not just what you're going through. You shouldn't have to deal with this. But it's no surprise. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus is going to go through this kind of thing. You are going to experience this sort of pain. I did you will too. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I mean, that's a lot to ask. Don't be afraid. I mean, the whole idea of pain is that it's unwelcome. You know? I mean, generally, if there's a legitimate thing to be afraid of, it's pain. It's suffering. You know? I, but Jesus is saying, don't be. Don't be. I mean, the devil's going to, sure, I mean, you're going to go through stuff. You're about to suffer. The devil's going to throw some of you into prison. Um, you're going to be tested for 10 days. 
By the way, I'm not sure if that 10 days of tribulation is meant to express any particular thing. Certainly, if there was a particular 10-day uh, trauma that the people were going to experience, it's not recorded. So we don't know exactly what might be referred to. Some uh, experts suggest it's just a good round number <laughs> describing like a healthy period of, of struggle and, and difficulty. Whatever the case, we're going to deal with this. Like we're going to have to. If we're going to be faithful to Christ, we're going to have to deal with tribulation, with testing, with suffering, with pain. Uh, There's an interesting thing here about the Roman approach to imprisonment, by the way, this idea of 10 days of imprisonment. Uh, when I think of imprisonment, I think of punishment uh, and also protecting society, perhaps, like you put somebody away in order to, to protect the general public from these people. Uh, maybe we think of, of uh, rehabilitation, perhaps, in, in, in that regard. Uh, we, we, we think of a prison, perhaps, as, as creating some degree of justice for victims or people who've been hurt. But none of that was in the Roman mind at, at this time. Uh, my understanding is the Romans understood two things as it related to imprisonment. One was um, just kind of like a holding situation while a trial was being, uh, was proceeding, or, or perhaps as, uh, you know, holding somebody in advance of uh, crucifixion or some kind of capital punishment. Uh, but so there's that, which is understandable. We do things like that today. Uh, not the crucifixion part, but the holding part uh, while we wait judgment. But the other part was about coercion. Uh, it was about holding people in such a way to uh, coerce some kind of behavior or change. Uh, torture, for example. Uh, so this was what was going on in, in the case of, of the church here. Uh, we don't have detail on this, but we know enough about the history and the place to know that, that uh, the Romans had an interest in keeping the Jewish leadership happy because there was a high uh, number of people and, and they just, for the sake of keeping the peace at this point, uh, there was an interest in, in uh, keeping that whole thing politically quiet. And so if the Jews had a problem with certain people, they would uh, turn to the Romans and the Romans would uh, take action, in this case imprisonment, in order to coerce the kind of response that the Jewish leadership was looking for. And this was exactly what Jesus went through, right? I mean, you go back to, to John chapter 18, when he went before Pilate, when uh, he stood before uh, the Sanhedrin, before Annas and Caiaphas. Like, this is the kind of thing that, that Jesus himself experienced. Jesus says, hey, don't be afraid. Everything you've been through, I've been through. I know. It's okay. There's something greater going on here. I know these things. You're going to go through this tribulation. It's part of the deal. But don't fear. Be faithful. Be faithful. Faithful unto death. Again, that's what, Jesus isn't asking us to do anything he didn't do himself. Faithful unto death. And if so, I'm going to give you the crown of life. And in case you're not sure, 
he adds that, that expression, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's just a construction that, that is used whenever uh, there is a desire for strong emphasis. It's, it's a way of saying, hey, pay attention. Notice what I'm about to say here. This really, really matters. Don't miss this. He who has an ear, if you're smart, listen, pay attention. This is what I'm saying to the churches. Are you ready? You're listening? You got this? Okay, here's what I want to tell you. <laughs> the one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Huh. So this second death thing, that's key to understanding the whole thing. It's a key to understanding the whole Christian life, actually. This idea that there's this spiritual nature to what we're going through. In other words, it's not just about what we experience here on the ground in this life. There is a second death. And while the first death is no joke, the second death's the one you really got to worry about. Like, like the pain, physical pain of physical death is a big deal. But the second death is permanent. Right? So, so there is another life, you might say. There's another level to this thing, a spiritual level. And those of us who remain faithful to Christ, even to the point of death, we've got something to look forward to on the other side. And uh, so we, we, we will, in fact, gain a crown. We will conquer, it's suggested. This is good news. I mean, pain is no illusion, right? Like that first death, it's no joke. It's not like just this mental thing that we can overcome by, by willpower. Pain's real. And what we suffer in Christ is, is significant. But there's a reward coming if we're able to be faithful. <laughs> I, I read this uh, piece the other day about a, a strong man by the name of Dennis Rogers who apparently is able to do incredible feats, like, like hold a car up, you know, with the engine with one hand and, and, and take out the spark plug with his other hand while he's holding the car up. Or um, I, I, I don't know for how long he did this, but uh, it's, it's recorded by Scientific American. He was able to uh, hold two jet engines apart <laughs> physically as they blasted off to, to take off against each other. I, I mean, just incredible superhuman uh, feats of strength. So the question is, how did he do all that? Well, he's a very strong man, for one thing. I mean, he's, he's, he's worked very hard and is very, very strong. But the key thing that, that uh, they say about Dennis Rogers is that he's able to manage pain. Well, how is he able to imagine pain, manage pain? Well, uh, as he describes it, it's not that pain isn't painful. It's just he has a very strong will, and he's able to say to himself, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm going to experience something that's going to feel terrible, but I'm okay with that because I want to achieve the result that I'm looking for. <laughs> you know, and and uh, he's apparently been able to train himself to such a degree that he can live with whatever pain and in order to achieve what he wants. Well, that's an incredible thing. Uh, you know, apparently, like, like the purpose of pain, I think, is to, to warn us from not going too far with our body. Right? He would say that you can go a lot further than you think, <laughs> you know, if you're willing to deal with the pain. And uh, I, I think there's something to that for us in, in our faith here. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. You know, you don't want to have to deal with, with bad stuff. You don't want to have to suffer. But you can take more than you think, <laughs> especially as the Spirit gives you strength. And especially as this, you know, your, your Lord holds your hand. 
You know, there's a lot of, of uh, cheap talk these days, in my mind, as uh, relates to persecution. I'm hearing a lot of people these days talk about how the church is going through this new stage of, of persecution. And I've, I've got mixed mind about that. I think some of it's probably real, uh, but some of it, I think a lot of it's self-inflicted. You know, a lot of it comes because we've been shown hypocrisy. Like Jesus said that uh, they would know that we are Christians by the way we love each other, right? But if you ask people in the general public, uh, especially as it relates to, you know, uh, uh, social constructs, political realities, and all of that, uh, people will look at us and define us by what we hate or who we hate, which is, uh, you know, if that's the case, and, and if that's real about us, then we probably have it coming, you know, if we have to take some hits. I'm not talking about any of that. I mean, a lot of that is just noise, really. The truth is, here, living my life for the most part in Canada, I'd have a hard time describing for you a, a moment when I have truly had to suffer for the sake of the gospel itself. You know, I've had to suffer sometimes because I've been stupid or I've been a hypocrite or I've, I've said something unkind and I've got that coming, that's on me. But for the sake of the gospel, I'm not sure how often that's happened in my life. Maybe your situation is different. It's certainly possible. It certainly could happen. And it certainly could happen with increasing measure. Um, I've certainly, as I said earlier, had reason to be embarrassed from time to time by my faith or, I, like, or at least felt that in me. Uh, our Christian faith, the gospel, calls us to, uh, to die to ourselves and that's never going to be easy for a lot of people. And there will be people who will be offended by that very concept and will hold it against us. That can happen. Doesn't seem to happen very often in my experience. But still, this, is, this prayer is a big prayer. That we could ask the Lord to help us to be faithful unto death. Can you pray that prayer with me today? Are you willing? Lord, make me so faithful that I'm willing to suffer for your sake, should that be called for. That even if I have to suffer financial loss, social embarrassment, physical torment, I'm there. Because I'm not going to deny your name. I'm, I'll stand with Billy. Put a gun to my head. That might not happen. But if it does, Lord, give me this stuff. Give me that courage. Give, allow me to be free from fear and able to embrace what you put in front of me. Because the kingdom will gain when we experience current pain. Um, you know, the, the common response to pain is generally to run, you know, and, and certainly as Christians, you know, like a lot of what we, we think about when we think about heaven, for example, is this idea of escape, you know, like we want to get away from our current struggles and pains and all of that, and that's why we look forward to heaven, and, you know, I get it, there's, there's something to that, perhaps, um, but I, I sometimes think about suffering and pain, like I think about paying taxes. I, there's this concept we have, uh, called tax avoidance, which is quite legitimate and, and um, important even. <laughs> you know? So uh, 
you know, I'm a citizen of Canada, and so I pay my taxes to the province of British Columbia, to the federal government here in Canada. I'm very, yeah, well, I'm happy to do it. I, I recognize that it's part of my responsibility as a citizen, and I recognize how I benefit from that. I mean, I want them to spend the money well, and I'll do what I can to hold them accountable. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to pay my taxes. It's, it's what it means to be a citizen of this country, and I'm generally happy to do that. I'm only going to pay what I need to. <laughs> you know, like, I'll avoid tax when, when I can do that lawfully. Like, I'm not going to give them more than what they have coming to them, and that's good. In fact, like, like it's, it's not just tolerated by the government, it's encouraged by the government. It's one of the ways the government incentivizes good things in, in, in the land. You know, like, like if they have an idea they want to pursue as it relates to, you know, social housing perhaps, you know, which might be a good thing for, for poor people. Well, uh, one of the ways they might incentivize that is through tax credits. And so for me to take advantage of that uh, might be a very good thing. And so uh, I'm quite willing to avoid taxes. The government's very willing to allow me to do that where it's lawful. So similarly, when it comes to pain and suffering, I'm not going to go looking for it. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to be a masochist. I'm not going to say, hey, yeah, hit me again. Like, come on. Like, 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 no, like I'll avoid pain <laughs> where I can. I will, I will, I would rather not suffer and that's fine. But when suffering is the natural consequence of my faithfulness to Christ, I will receive it. And I will experience it. And I will take it. And I will seek the Lord's grace to be able to endure. Because I understand what that famous uh, Christian martyr of, the, of some years ago, Jim Elliot, said that he is no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain uh, what he cannot lose. He's no fool who gives what he can't keep to gain what he cannot lose. I don't know what might be asked of you to give, uh, how you might be experiencing pain and suffering for the sake of Jesus. It might be deep and significant. It might be relatively minor. It might be relatively minor, but it's all you can handle. <laughs> uh, this is just part of the deal, folks. Jesus went through this. Jesus knows. But he's promised that he'll give us the strength to deal with whatever it is that we've got coming. And we know that through our faithfulness, we'll receive a crown that we will not experience the second death, that we will live forever by his grace and for his glory, that the kingdom will gain by these current pains. So don't go out of your way, <laughs> you know, looking for suffering that you don't need to bear. But when it comes as a legitimate consequence of you living faithfully for your Lord Jesus Christ, I trust that you will look to him for the grace and strength that's needed, and he will provide it for you, for me, for all of us together, that we may, may bear witness to the glory and the grace of, of, of our Lord and his kingdom, and that his kingdom would, in fact, come on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may it be. Lord, 
Fill us with that kind of faith. Fill us with that kind of courage. Make us willing to be faithful, to speak truth, to continue in commitment to you, to not back down, but to be true. And despite what that might result, Lord, we, in, in terms of, of our pain and our struggle, Lord, we ask that you would simply give us the capacity to deal with whatever it is that comes. Lord, um, sometimes we experience pain and it's our own fault. So Lord, we pray that you would help us to be wiser in the expression of our faith, less hypocritical, more truthful, more faithful. Uh, not, not just as a means of protecting ourselves from unnecessary harm, but, but to be more honoring and more loving and more gracious and more in keeping with the things that you call us to. But Lord, when, when that struggle, that suffering comes legitimately because of the fact that our kingdoms are in conflict, the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of heaven, Lord, we know where our commitment will be and we pray that you would give us the strength to live faithfully according to the values of, of this kingdom and to the glory of your own name. Lord, and it just whatever people are experiencing today, all those who are listening to this, wherever they come from, that recognize that, that some of us may be dealing with this circumstance in a very real and specific way right now. Maybe we're having to pay a financial price or a cultural price, a social price, a, a physical price. Lord, give us the courage we need. And may we stay faithful and may your kingdom come in us and through us and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.